Afternoon, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Tim, also tall, long legs, gentle and strong. So, autographs after the... Um, could we just start, I'd love it if we could just start by just saying a huge, huge thank you to all of our wonderful Limitless kids team who didn't just say, hey, let's have some seminars and, you know, but they've really gone to town with the, with the welcome packs and the stand and the, uh, the thingy, what's it called? Hamper, that's what it's called. So could we say a big thank you to the Limitless Kids team? Thank you, guys. We really appreciate uh, you. And, and as this is our kids stream, what I thought I'd do as we kick off our kids stream together uh, here at ELS this year is to start off with some theology, okay? Now, not theology as explained by me, mind you, but theology as explained by children, such as the child who said... The seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery. <laughs> or the other who said, Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. <laughs> Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. <laughs> I don't like that one a lot. <laughs> Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. <laughs> Some contraption there, uh, isn't it? I, I absolutely love this one. Um, Samson, was, uh, Samson slayed the Philistines with the axe of the apostles. I don't know what that is, but I'd like one. I'd, uh, I'd like an axe of the apostles. Uh, and my most favorite of all, a godly person should have only one wife. This is called monotony. <laughs> What a joy it is uh, to serve children uh, in children's ministry. But here's, here's something that I know about you. You didn't get into children's ministry for the status or for the job title or for the glory. You, you certainly didn't get into it for the pay packet. Are there any amens in the room uh, this, <laughs> this afternoon? Uh, you, you didn't get into children's ministry because you were just desperate to work at weekends and to run summer uh, holiday clubs during the summer holidays. No, you got into children's ministry in spite of those things. Why? Because you were just bubbling up and boiling over with a passion for raising a generation of Jesus followers. And what happened was your passion outweighed the sacrifice. But then maybe something began to happen within you. And it happened so incrementally, so slowly that you barely noticed it was going on. You got so consumed with what you were doing that you kind of forgot why you were doing it. Maybe you filled in one too many risk assessments. Perhaps you took one too many Saturdays away from your family. Maybe you had a few too many misunderstandings with your line manager. Perhaps you had a few too many behavioral issues to deal with within your uh, children's ministry. And then, of course, well, then there was a pandemic. And suddenly, all that you had invested so much time and energy and prayerfulness into was kind of gone overnight. And, and of course, you, you worked hard to adapt and connect with your children online, but let's face it, it was a nightmare. And, and, then, and, then, and then as things began to start up again more recently, and you tried to restart your children's ministry programs in person, you quickly, you quickly realized that those oh-so-dependable volunteers who you'd come to rely upon had all taken the lockdowns to reevaluate their priorities 
<laughs> and decided that volunteering in the children's ministry was just one commitment to many right now. And in amongst all of this, all of these challenges, all these things that you face, the why, the why which once so consumed you be began to get a little lost, you know, under a pile of consent forms. And the spiritual fervor, that zeal, which once compelled you to do anything for the gospel, perhaps it wasn't quite so bubbling up and boiling over as it once was. Well, if, if that's you today, and listen, that's been all of us, hasn't it? At some point over these last few years since we were last together in this space. If that's you today, I wanted just to take a few moments right at the start of our time here in our Limitless Kids stream at ELS to, 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 to remind ourselves of our why. Uh, the reason that we got into this children's ministry thing in the first place. I would like for us just to spend a moment to come back to our first love and, and to begin to allow that passion to rekindle in our hearts once again. So why don't you take just, just a minute or two to turn to the person next to you and, and answer this question. Why do you do children's ministry? What is it that inspires you to do it week after week to give your time and your energy and your prayer and devotion to the, to the children that you lead and serve? What, what is it that compels you? Why do you do children's ministry? Let's just be a little bit disorderly about this. Just, just, shout, just shout some things out, you know? What, what were some of those whys? You might reflect your own why or the why that somebody else said to you. Why do you do children's ministry? Somebody shout something for me. To have fun with the children, yes. To have compassion, relationships, to soak everything up, be at the beginning of their journey. Beautiful. Yes, come on. The call of God. The call of God. We're in this because of the call of God over our lives. I love it. Any, anything else? Because yeah, kids need Jesus. Come on, Naomi. Yeah, love that. Love that stuff. Yeah. Come on, I love that. I love that. And I, and, I, and I love seeing um, children's workers who just walk faithfully with God and, just, and, and serve kids in children's ministry over a long period of time. It's something that really stirs me. I love that. Are you remembering? Is it coming back to you? Is your heart stirred this afternoon? You know, I, I just want to remind you that what you're doing is important. In fact, I, it's hard for me to think of anything more important that you could give your life to than passing on the gospel to the next generation. What else are we going to do? But of course, what happens is we make the mistake of thinking that because children's ministry may not be particularly visible, it perhaps therefore must not be particularly valuable. But we know that nothing could be further from the truth. And, and here's why. I want to tell you why that, that nothing could be further from the truth. Did you know that the decline in church attendance among under 16-year-olds is much faster than the decline in all other generations. The number of under 16s reported in the average child Sunday attendance has decreased by 20% over the last five years, compared to a 12% decline in average adult Sunday attendance. We also know that uh, from 1990 to 2020, the UK church is thought to have lost 1.1 million children from its congregations. We know, don't we, that the United Kingdom is now uh, ever increasingly secular, uh, post-Christian nation. 
uh, as demonstrated by the fact that the fastest growing uh, so-called religious group of our time are those who tick the box none in the surveys, as in I'm someone of no religious belief or affiliation. Uh, according to one survey of, of more than 20,000 people by a team from Manchester and Oxford and Nottingham universities, nuns uh, in the UK uh, have risen from uh, uh, 3% in 1963 to 44.7% today. Uh, and um, among uh, adults uh, aged 25 and under, the number of nuns has climbed by nearly two-thirds. So how do we... How do we begin to turn this tide? How, how do we resist the, the swell of, of secularism and see a resurgence of faith in the UK today? How, how are we going to reach this nation with the gospel, something we all want to do? I tell you how. We're going to invest disproportionately into children and into children's ministry. And just in case you're thinking, well, yeah, of course, Tim, like, of course you would say that. You're like Limitless National Director. It's your job to say things like that. Well, let, I want to tell you this has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with any kind of organizational bias uh, that I may have. Studies tell us that children between the ages of 5 and 13 have a 32% probability of accepting Jesus. But that likelihood drops to 4% for teenagers between the ages of 14 and 18. We also know that 83% of adults who are Christians today made a commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. Out of interest, how many of us in the room today made a commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 to 14? Yeah, somewhere in the region of, 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 of that kind of statistic, isn't it? Um, we also know that people who become Christians before their teen years are more likely to remain absolutely committed to their faith into adulthood. Uh, as the researcher uh, George Barner succinctly summarizes, he says, if people do not embrace Jesus Christ as their savior before they reach their teenage years, the chance of their doing so at all is slim. What you believe at age 13 is pretty much what you're going to die believing. So the picture is clear. The studies show it. If we want to stem the cultural tide of secularism, if we want to raise up a generation of lifelong Jesus followers, if we want to cultivate lasting faith in every generation, then we must engage with the emerging generations while they're young. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but what I just want to remind us of and what I want to encourage you with as we start this children's ministry scene to get together this year is, guys, you have the most important job in the church. And so please, if you ever feel undervalued or overlooked, if you ever feel like that spiritual fervor is beginning to diminish, if you, if you, if you ever feel like your capacity to persevere with the call of God that he once gave you in the early days over your life is, is, is beginning to run out, then just remind yourself of your why. Remind yourself of how important it is that you do what you do. Because you know, as has been said, what you're doing is way too important to give up on. We need you. The church needs you. A generation of children who are far from God right now need you. Uh, if we are to have a future, then we, the church, need you 
children's workers at your most passionate, fired up best. So I want to encourage you, hold on to your why. Keep it front and center. Never let it go. Because it's your why that keeps you going, isn't it? When things get tough. It, it's, it's your why that will keep you giving your best to God day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year, even if you feel undervalued or overlooked. It, it's, it's your why. <laughs> hey, isn't this true? It's your why that will inspire you to get through the boring bits that you didn't sign up for, the policies, the forms, the processes, because you'll remember that. You know, even, even though that stuff is kind of super dull, it's, this, it's creating the opportunity for you to do the most important thing you could ever do, which is to pass on the gospel to the next generation. I want you to remember your why today. But maybe you're thinking, well, Tim, this is all well and good. This is all very nice and very encouraging and everything. But I, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm really very clear about my why. I, I, I don't know if I can particularly articulate that. Hey, you know, I, I'm kind of just here because there was a gap. And I put up my hand and said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. You know, there's a space there. I, I think I could maybe do that. Hey, if that's you, can I just say thank you for putting up your hand? Thank you for saying to God, here I am, send me. I don't feel particularly well equipped for the task, but Lord, just the, a sense of the nudge of the Holy Spirit on my heart, on my heart, you know, I just want to say well done and thank you. Your name resounds in heaven. Um, but what I would like to do now is get a little bit more practical. And I'll give you some practical steps that will help you to find some clarity about your why, the unique and specific call that God has over your life. And and to keep that front and center, both within your own mind, but also from a leadership perspective, uh, in your team as well. So, first up, I want to encourage you to get clear about your why. Get clear about your why. This is where your Limitless Kids notebook is going to come in really handy, guys. Get clear about your why. Six of these. And, and this is critical because if you don't know why you do what you do, then how will anyone else? <laughs> and, and so in order to help you get clear about your why, I want to encourage you to take some time. I'm going to encourage you to write these questions down. Because what I want to encourage you to do is actually, if you can find it, perhaps even during your time over these next three days at ELS, I want to encourage you, find a moment with God, maybe go find a coffee shop somewhere, uh, maybe back to your hotel room, whatever it is, and get alone with God and reflect on the following questions to help you find your why, to get clear about your why. Firstly, what are you good at? What are you good at? What are you gifted in? What are the things that when you do them, they, they make you come alive? That when you do them, you get this sense of, yeah, like, this is what I was made for. I was born for this. And this is an important question because when God made you, he didn't make a mistake, when God made you, he equipped you with everything that you need to be who he is calling you to be. In other words, God made you on purpose and for a purpose. And as such, your why is hidden somewhere within these questions. Because you are not an accident. You are crafted and knit together in your mother's room, equipped with the things that you need, with the gifts, with the personality, and everything that you need to do the thing that God is, is calling you to do. Um, so, ask those questions. Secondly, what's your passion? What's your passion? What's your 
burden? What, what are the things that get you up in the morning, but also keep you awake at night as you turn them over in your head? Because, you know, I really believe that there's a good chance that the things that God has made you passionate about are also the things that God is calling you to do something about. So what's your burden? What's your passion? And then finally, what are those moments and activities in which you feel most aware of the pleasure of God over your life? Uh, there's a moment in the movie Chariots of Fire, old movie. Anybody seen Chariots of Fire? It's a bit of an old one now. It's the story of Eric Liddell. And uh, Eric Liddell, he was an Olympic runner, 400-meter champion, Christian. And uh, Eric Liddell in the movie, he, he famously says this. I believe God made me for a purpose, but I also believe that God made me to run fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. So what are those things for you? The things that when you do them, you just feel, you sense the pleasure of God over your life, that you're right in the center of his purposes for you, that you feel his smile over you. What are those things? What are those things for you? Those things that cultivate like that sense of inner joy and peace uh, when you're embracing them. And actually, like a sense of discontentment and restlessness when you're living away from them or outside of them or they're not present in your life. What are those things for you? Let me encourage you. Take some time uh, uh, over these next few days to get alone with God and to ask those questions and get clear about your why. Once you've done that, though, the next step is to get everyone clear about your why. Get everyone clear about your why. Let, let me ask you a little bit of a prov prov provoking question, if I may. If I was to kind of um, come and survey your children's ministry team, those that you work with uh, in the context of your children's ministry in your local church, and I was to ask them independently, without consultation, hey, what's the purpose of this children's ministry? Well, what's the, what's the shared mission of this team? What's your why as a children's ministry? Would they all answer in the same way? If they wouldn't, it's time to get everyone clear about your why. Todd Bolsinger, he says this, there is perhaps no greater responsibility and no greater gift that leadership can give a group of people on a mission than to have the clearest and most defined mission possible. And so you see, I agree with Todd Bolsinger, a clear why is a gift to your team. Why? Because it focuses everybody on a shared objective and a common purpose. A clear why for your team, it creates trajectory, it, it creates unity, and it gives clarity. A clear why serves as a foundation for your children's ministry, as well as a target and an anchoring point. And what you will find is that a, a clearly defined why will give you almost instant answers to many of the leadership questions that previously confused us, because when we know where we are aiming for, many of the decisions that we have to make along the journey are already made for us, because we know exactly what it is that we're aiming at. So, how do we do this? It's all well and good me standing up and saying, hey, get everybody clear about your why, but how, how do we do this? How do we help our teams, our children's ministry teams, come to a shared clarity about why we do 
what we do. How do we answer that question? Why do we exist as a children's ministry? Well, what I want to do right now is I want to get really, really practical for you. And I want to give you a workshop that you could go through with your children's ministry team together to help you come to this shared clarity. If you want to take a, a photo of, of the screen as it goes up, feel free to do that if, if you're interested in doing this workshop through uh, with your team, and maybe I'll, I'll get out of the way a little bit. So here's a little workshop that you can do to help your team define your why for your children's ministry. Team workshop, here we go. Step one, give your team an envelope with everything you do um, uh, through your children's ministry on individual pieces of paper inside. So maybe you do like a Sunday morning kind of, uh, maybe it's a breakout group or maybe it's for the whole of your Sunday service. Maybe you do holiday clubs. Maybe you do parent-toddler groups. I don't know. What is it that you do in the context of your church and your children's ministry? Put all of those things, as many as you can think of, from uh, meetings to your kind of big gatherings to your team training, all of those things, put them in there. And then, once you've done that, Ask your team to consider this. If our time and or our budget was cut, I know what you're thinking, we don't have a budget, but if our time was cut by 50%, which of these things would we fight to keep going and which ones would we have to stop for now? And then ask your team to take all of those activities from the envelope and place them within three buckets that you've prepared and marked out. One, yes, one, maybe, uh, and one, no. Yes, it's like we would fight tooth and nail. Like if we didn't have much time, if we, if we had half the amount of team members, if, if, if all of our kind of budget was, was cut, these are the things that no matter what, we would fight as hard as we could to keep going. And then in the maybe bucket, like, okay, these are the things that like if we could, we'd want to keep them alive, but they perhaps don't have the same priority level as those. And then the nose is like, well, these are the things that for a time at least we might have to let go of. So, so do that. And then um, step three, compare the results. Are there some things that the majority of your team put into the no bucket? Is it time for you maybe to stop those things? Are there some things that the majority of your team, they put into the yes bucket? What does that tell you about your priorities? What does this reveal about why you exist as a ministry? Discuss these things together. All right, step four is this. Having clarified your priorities, ask your team to uh, individually write a one or two sentence mission statement that describes the purpose of your children's ministry. Answering that question, why do we exist? Now, at this point, there's no consultation allowed. This is an individual bit because you're trying to see how the different members of your team see it based on the exercise that you've been through. Step five. Now, go around the room. Ask your team to read out their mission statements. Write key words, key phrases, key ideas onto a flip chart because, of course, as we all know, you haven't heard from God unless it's been written on a flip chart. And highlight the priorities that are reflected by multiple team members. And then, finally, steps, oh, step six isn't there. Step six is to uh, take the flip chart away and, and then use that to craft for your children's ministry a short, memorable mission statement that's based on the key priorities that you just haven't identified on your Todd but have been identified together as a team. Because, you know, if, if people can't weigh in, they don't buy in. 
So this is a process by which we want to hear what's on the hearts of our team members. Allow them to get their fingerprints over it. To feel that sense of ownership together over what we do and why we do it as a team. Okay, now... For the purposes of the remainder of our time together, let's imagine that we are a really well-resourced children's ministry team. Here we are together. And we are a children's ministry team of ELS, Elim Church, all right? And let's say that we've been through this process together, and we have decided as a team, hypothetically, for the purposes of the rest of our session, uh, that, oh, I've got a couple of slides missing for some reason. They must have gone gone astray in the transfer. Uh, Let's imagine then that our mission statement that we've come up with is this. Raising a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. That's what we're about. ELS, Elam Church, we're all about raising a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. That is our why. That's our shared purpose, our common mission as a team. That's great. We're all clear about our why. But this is the beginning of the process, not the end. Because once you have that clarity, the next step is to filter your program and your decisions through the lenses of your why. Isn't it true that there are kind of infinite things, I almost said limitless things, that we feel like we could or should be doing in our children's ministries? Whether it's Sunday morning breakout sessions or outreach groups or Bible studies or mentoring programs or provision for children with special educational needs or, or schools ministry or parent toddler groups or writing session content or engaging with parents or recruiting and training volunteers or fundraising or event planning or running holiday clubs or DBS checks or, or safeguarding policies or consent forms and risk assessments. I mean, it's exhausting just to think about it. But here's the problem. If everything is important, then nothing is. So what do we do? How do we lift ourselves out of the fog? This is what we do. We come to absolute clarity about our why, and then we focus as much of our attention and our energy and our time and our programming on that one thing as we can. And this part of the process, this is probably the hardest bit. Because this requires some real courage. Why? Because it means stopping some things, which feels to you, and perhaps more pertinently, feels to your line manager like regression, not progression. But you can't do everything, and you certainly cannot do everything well. And this is particularly true for you. It's true for all of us, but it's particularly true for you if you are one of the heroes of children's ministry, and you're just a volunteer and, and, and like you've got a busy job and a family life, and yet still you're pouring your time and energy. Or maybe you're part-time employed. This is it's true for all of us, but it's even more true in, in, that, in, in that instance. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, rather than trying to do everything just because you feel like you could or you should or somebody else does, just get clear about what God has called you to do. And focus your program and your activity around those few things. And this is why it's kind of, look, inspiration is a good thing. Imitation, not so much. Because when we try and imitate that other massive children's ministry down the road, we go wrong because they have a different why. They have a different assignment from God than what you have. And this is also one of the reasons why we get so exhausted so fast in ministry. Because... 
we take on more priorities for ourselves than God has actually assigned to us. So, once we have that shared clarity about our why, we've got to, we've got to be brutal with our program. We, we've got to take everything we do in our children's ministry and one at a time pass it through the filter of our why. Does it, does it fulfill the assignment that God has for this children's ministry? Then let's pour our energy into it. Maybe it doesn't. Let's let it go. Okay, so in the context of our hypothetical children's ministry then, that would look like this. We sit down together as a team. We take everything that we do and we ask this question. Does this activity, does this curriculum, does this group, does this program, does this help us to raise a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus? And if it doesn't, we, we cut it. Let me say, I'll say it again. We can't do everything. We certainly can't do everything well. So we've got to be willing to let go of many good things. It's, we're not letting go of bad things. We're letting go of good things in order to focus our energy on the real God things. We're going to filter our program and our decisions through our why. And then the next stage of the process is this. You're going to keep banging on about your why. You're just going to keep going on and on and on about it until you feel like a broken record. You're just going to keep repeating it and repeating it. Because even if you come to that shared clarity about your why, even if you've begun that process of filtering your program, your children's ministry activity through your why, it's actually really difficult to make that why stick with your team. Time has this way of like eroding the adhesive of your why. Uh, as, as one leader puts it, most leaders think that if they fill people with the vision once, they'll stay full forever. But that's just not true. Vision leaks, even out of the best people. Most leaders, frankly, they don't cast vision enough. They blame followers for faulting, faltering commitment, not realizing that they have faltered in their role of a vision caster. And so we're clear about our why, and then we want to keep banging on about it. Uh, consistently keep that why front and center in the mind's of your team. As, as Patrick Lencioni writes, I really love this. Great leaders, what do they do? They see themselves as chief reminding officers. God, put that on your business card. I know you don't have a business card, but chief reminding officers as much as anything else. Their top two priorities are to set the direction of the organization, we'll say children's ministry, and then to ensure that people are reminded of it on a consistent basis. So we return to our hypothetical why. What are we about as ELS, uh, Elim Church? We're about raising a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. If that's our why, here's what we're going to do. At the start of every team meeting before a session, we're going to gather our team together and we're going to say something like this. Hey, we are here today because we're about raising a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. With that in mind, here's our plan for the session. And then at the end of the session, when we reflect together with our team and we gather around, we say, and we say, hey, how, how is that going to go today? So, hey, guys, so remember, we, the reason we did this today is because we want to raise a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. How did we get on with that today, do you think? And we reflect together. And then we're going to uh, celebrate people who do things that contribute towards our why. And we're going to challenge people when they exhibit behaviors that conflict with our why. Maybe we're going to put that little mantra in our uh, email signature so that every time we interact with our team, they see it again. We're going to put it on our graphics, on our social media. Maybe we're going to tattoo it on our foreheads. I don't know. Whatever, maybe not that. But whatever we can do 
to keep that thing front and center, fresh in the minds, day by day, week by week, in our team members. That's what we're going to do. You only know that you've done this enough when your team members start mocking you for repeating yourself. That's when you know you're on the right track. We're going to keep it front and center by keep banging on about it. And then, finally, you're going to recruit around your why. Recruit around your why. Early in the 20th century, the uh, adventurer, here he is, Ernest Shackleton, he um, attempted to become the first ever explorer to cross the South Pole. And on December the 5th, 1914, Shackleton, with his crew of 27 men, set out to sea on the Endurance, a 350-ton ship that had been built especially for the expedition. But the crew of the Endurance would never reach the continent of Antarctica because just a few days uh, into their journey through the southern Atlantic, the ship encountered mile after mile of ice in which they soon became stuck. Shackleton and his crew, uh, they were stranded, get this, in the Antarctic for 10 months aboard the Endurance until finally the pressure of the ice crushed the ship and it began to sink into the ocean. And so what happened is the stranded crew, well, they boarded their three lifeboats and they landed on a, on a tiny island. And there, Shackleton left behind all but five of his men who went with him and embarked upon a hazardous journey across 800 miles of rough seas to find help for his crew, which eventually he did. What makes the story of the endurance so remarkable, however, is the fact that during this whole lengthy ordeal, stuck in the freezing cold, not a single crew member died. But this was not down to luck. This was down to the fact that Shackleton found the right people for the job. Why did they survive? Because Shackleton recruited survivors. And how did he find this amazing crew? Well, actually with a simple advert in the Times newspaper. That's how he got his crew. The thing is, though, this particular advert was a little different from that you might have expected to recruit a crew for such an expedition. Because in this advert, he didn't say what he was looking for. This advert didn't say something like, you know, men needed for an expedition, minimum of five years' experience, must be able to hoist a sail, come and work for a fantastic captain. It didn't say anything like that. Because he was looking for something more. He, he was looking for a crew that belonged on such an adventure. And so his actual advert, it said something like this. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness. I know you're thinking this sounds like children's ministry. Constant danger. Safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. Now what are you thinking? What kind of person would respond to an advert like this. Only those who were stirred by such a challenge. Only those who were inspired by the call to adventure. Now, all of us, I know, have been struggling for volunteers, right? Particularly post-pandemic. And so what we tend to do at such a time is we stand up in front of our church congregations and we make an announcement about what we need 
It goes something like this. Hey, everyone, so we've got 30 kids upstairs on a Sunday morning. Isn't that great? And guys, in order to ensure that we've got a safe environment for them, we need to make sure that we've got like a ratio of one adult to five children. And we're really struggling to get that right now. And we just really appreciate it, therefore, if some of you could kind of come and sign up for the team. And hey, listen, if we can get enough of you on the rotor, then you'll only have to do one in every four Sundays. And uh, we'd be really grateful. Come, come help out with some group work. We'll be doing some group work and some games. And we'd be really grateful if you could help out with that. And, of course, particularly we're looking for more male leaders. So, gents, come on. Come and, come and help us. And, and if you can help us, if you think you can, well, I'll be standing at the back at the end of the service. In other words, we recruit around our what? But the truth is people don't buy into what we do. They buy into why we do it. Good morning, church. I'm here to tell you today about Naomi. Naomi was so shy and reserved when she first came into our children's ministry. She would sit at the side while all of the other children got involved with the games. She would stay quiet when we were doing group work. She would keep her hands down while we were doing action songs together. That was until Ruth, who was a volunteer in our children's ministry, took note. And what happened was Ruth came alongside Naomi and And she danced with her when we sang. And and she asked her specifically by name questions during the group session. She she stuck close by her side to help her find courage during the games. And slowly but surely, what happened was Naomi found her courage. She became more confident in herself and who God made her to be. And you know what? Last term, we rejoiced. As Naomi and Ruth, they stood alongside each other at the front of the session and they led the whole group together in an action song. And then two weeks ago, you know what happened? Naomi, she prophesied for the first time when we were doing group work. And just recently, Ruth was asked by Naomi if she could get baptized. Church, our children's ministry exists to raise up a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus, to raise up people like Naomi. But make no mistake, the Naomi's don't happen without the roofs. So I'm here today because I want to give you the opportunity to become a roof, to participate in the call of God that we have, all of us as a church community, to raise up a generation who passionately love and follow Jesus. And if you would like that privilege... I'll be standing at the back at the end of the service. Do you see the difference? Recruit around your why, not your what, because it's your why that will inspire people to action. It's your why that will move people to do something that is beyond themselves. Recruit around your why, but only once you've become clear about it. As Simon Sinek says, Those who truly lead are able to create a following of people who act not because they were swayed, but because they were inspired. Recruit around your why. So here's what we're going to do. I hope this has been helpful and practical. We're going to get clear about our why. Then we're going to get everyone on our team clear about our why. Then we'll begin to filter all of our activity, our program, everything we do through our why. Then we're just going to keep banging on about our why. We're never going to let it go. We're going to be relentless with our why. And then we're going to gather team around that why. I'm nearly done. I will finish with this. A couple of years ago, um, I was on a plane, and uh, it was a long-haul flight. 
So I was flicking through the movies. I came across a movie called Fighting With My Family. Um, hadn't, hadn't really heard of it, but I figured, oh, it's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, so it must be good. So I duly, <laughs> I duly watched it. And, you know, I, I, I was woken out of my hazy, long-haul flight slumber when I heard one of the characters say this. Just because millions of people aren't cheering you on when you do it doesn't mean it's not important. And it strikes me that this is a word for children's workers today. Because kids' ministry in the world, even in the church world, isn't particularly visible. But just as we said earlier, friends, just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not valuable. Because during your lifetime, you may well do something other than children's ministry, You could do something that's more public, more impressive. (laughs) You might do something that's held in higher esteem by the watching world. You could surely do something that pays you more or has a better career path. But friends, please hear me and look me in the eye when I tell you, you will never do something more important. Because what are you going to give your life to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation? There's no promotion. There's no level up. You've already reached it. And yet, it is sometimes occasionally a grind. I know that. Sometimes monotonous and painful. But please know this. You are changing the future. When that child commits a Bible verse into their memory for the first time, which is likely that if they do that as a child, they'll never forget it. You are changing the future. When you encourage or resource that family to pray and read scripture together around their dining room table, you are changing the future. When that child gives their life to Jesus for the first time, come on, you're changing the future. And in countless other ways, friends, that you will never perceive this side of eternity, you are changing the future. This is why you do what you do. Friends, please don't ever forget it. And so I, I simply wanted to finish this session here in our kids stream just, just by saying thank you. Um, on behalf of Limitless, I want to say thank you for what you do to serve children. On behalf of the Elim movement, I want to say thank you. And if I even may be so bold, on behalf of your Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for all that you pour out for the lives of children in your locality, for your, for your energy, for your effort, for your prayerfulness, for your persistence, for your sacrifice. You may not always be seen or thanked, but I want to tell you, friend, your name resounds in heaven. Uh, What are we going to give our lives to? Come on, that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation. Keep going. Don't give up. The smile of God is over your life today. You're, You're serving Jesus, making a difference. You're changing a life. You're changing lives. You're raising a generation to passionately love and follow Jesus. Would you just now hear the sound of your father's voice saying to you in this moment, well done, good and faithful servant. Father in heaven, I pray um, for courage, perseverance, and joy in the lives of these wonderful children's workers today. Holy Spirit, my words are flawed, but by the power of your Spirit, would you stir something of spiritual fervor and zeal in them today? Lord, for any who've made, maybe these guys are flying. 
But for any who just felt on the edge of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. God, by your spirit, would you just remind them of the value of what they do today? Would you do that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit? And Lord, for any who've just maybe felt a little dry in their spirituality, Lord God, please, may it not be my voice they hear, but may it be your voice spoken deep into their soul that they hear, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to a task that is absolutely critical. Critical for the future of the church. Critical for the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven. Most importantly of all, critical for children who maybe have a baby faith, maybe who are far from God. Help us, I pray, to be spiritual parents, to be disciple makers today for this generation of children that we serve. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, everybody. Thank you so much, Tim, that, that hopefully you've gone away inspired by that.